Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Amen. What a privilege to be in the presence of the Lord. I just want the Lord to touch my heart today. That's been my prayer. From Thursday morning until this very morning, I have felt a passage of Scripture just pressing in my heart and spirit. And um, I was actually teaching a study Thursday morning and and just the Lord just kind of took me off a little path and I just couldn't get away from it. I was involved in several other things from that Thursday morning Bible study until this very hour. Uh, but yesterday and last night, I just felt like the Lord kept drawing me back here and here and here again. And uh, so I want the Lord to just speak to all of us collectively. I have not come to preach at you today, but I believe that the Lord wants to speak to us. He wants to speak to us, and I want him to speak to me, not just through me, because I myself, I want to be saved. I'm not just in this thing for a title. I'm not just in this thing for, for those sorts of things. I want to make heaven my home. I promise you I want to make heaven my home. And so if you will join me in the book of Philippians, you can remain seated, the book of Philippians 4 and 4, a very familiar passage of Scripture, and I'm sure there are many uh, such Scriptures that we could use as a catalyst to help us kind of launch into this central thought. But Philippians 4 and 4 through 7 seem to fill the bill, and so I want to use this as just a place to begin and then ask the Lord to help us uh, as we make this journey today. I pray that his spirit will just strengthen his word to our heart and that before we leave here, we can all be challenged by the word. Amen. I want to leave here a better man. I want to leave here a better person, a better husband, a better father. Uh, I, I really mean that, and so I, I pray that the Lord will help us do just that. And we can, we can be changed when we consider the strength of the Word of God. The book of Philippians 4 and 4, the Bible says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. In verse number seven is where I am going to draw my text from today. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your heart, your hearts, and your minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God that passes all understanding. God's ability to reach around our situation, our circumstances, 
And believe it or not, behind all these pretty smiles and beautiful dresses and, and wonderful suits, behind all of the lovely cars in the parking lots, there's some situations here today. Don't be fooled. Amen. Circumstances. And, and to know that God is God enough to just reach around our circumstances. And in the midst of all of that, the Bible says his peace can just pass our understanding. If we were to put that in a more contemporary phrase, we might just say the peace of God can just blow your mind. It, it can just beyond go beyond what you can think or ask, the peace of God. But it's not just passing our understanding or blowing our mind for the sake of uh, just bedazzling us. There's a purpose and an intent, and that intent is found in the last line of verse seven. He said, and he shall keep your hearts and your minds. Keep, that word keep means to preserve, to hold something, to keep it in its original condition. And so some of the ladies and some of the men here know what it's like to preserve things. This is kind of a good gardening time. And so whether you're putting it in the freezer or you're canning certain things to keep something means I wanna save this for another day. But when I crack the seal on that, when I open the bag on that, I want it to be as garden fresh next year or 10 months from now as it is today. And so with that thought in mind, I wanna preach to you this morning from this thought, kept by God. Kept by God. God can keep us. He can preserve us. Amen. I posted this last night on Facebook, and um, maybe some of you read this, but yesterday, yesterday afternoon, specifically, Mark, the 28th year, 28 years ago, yesterday, my wife and I and our son, who was just a, a little over a year old at the time, began our endeavor in ministry full time. We've been preaching for several years in the local church, and uh, and we felt God was leading us to full time ministry. We began our ministry as full time evangelists. And uh, that all sounds warm and fuzzy if you just look at it from a distance. But you gotta remember that we both had full-time jobs. We were living in a new home and uh, she had a great job, I had a great job. We both had good vehicles and, uh, and so this was not a move of necessity when it comes to those sorts of things. And uh, we, were, we are uh, both, I suppose, independent, independent type individuals and so we wanted, uh, we, we kind of like making our own way. Am I talking to anybody? And yet the Lord was nudging us out of the nest to live by faith. And uh, you, you, just, you just go and you just prove me and, 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 and test me and see if I won't take care of you. And it's one thing to amen the preacher when he's preaching about some things, but it's quite a different thing to live that out. Some of you missed a good place to say amen right there. That's quite a different thing. And so we launched out, I'm just testifying now, I'm not boasting, I'm just testifying about how the Lord, we just launched out in faith, we had done our due diligence. I don't wanna leave the impression that we were just 
living life flying by the cuff, but we did our due diligence to pay our bills ahead several months and all the things that we could do to, to uh, ensure that our lives were going to be all right. But you know, it was a leap of faith. It was a step of faith. And, and God was right there all alone, all alone. I feel like sharing this today, not because some of you haven't heard it. or I know there are some that have heard it, maybe others that have not. But uh, we had several weeks lined up, a few weeks lined up of, of uh, meetings. And, and uh, when we got to the end of those, we had realized, we realized when we got to the end of those that we found a brand new definition for the end. Because when we got to the end, we were at the end. And when you're in that, when you're in that kind of situation, the word end is a lot longer than just three letters. And we didn't know what we were gonna do. And so we were, uh, we were in Wagerville, Alabama. And if you've never been to Wagerville, Alabama, you ought to go there. And uh, we, went to, we were in Wagerville, Alabama and preaching a revival. And we got through Sunday morning, Sunday night was the last service of that revival. And we went over, the pastor and his wife had us over to their home and there we sat and, and uh, we weren't about to let anybody know anything. We were just walking by faith. We didn't know what we were doing Monday morning. We didn't know what we were doing just a few hours from then. We had nowhere to go. We didn't know what to do. And we were sitting there at the dining table in the pastor's home, the phone rang. I didn't realize then, but it was a mutual friend on the other end. And he happened to mention that we were there. Uh, and uh, so I, he asked to speak to me on the phone. So we were talking on the phone. He said, man, I'm glad you guys were out evangelizing. Glad you're doing this. And he himself was a full-time evangelist. And, and he said, by the way, where are you going next? I said, I don't know. <laughs> right, right now, there's not a next. He said, I'll call you back in 30 minutes. And he made two phone calls and, and uh, helped us to get in the door of two, two churches. And, and the Lord just jump-started us from right there and we never, ever looked back. Amen. I, I'm, not, I'm not boasting in me. I'm talking about that God can keep you. Amen. We, we, didn't have, we didn't have to sit around and look sad. We didn't have to sit around and look hungry. We didn't have to sit around and look desolate. But when we reached those points in our lives where we didn't know what the next step was, we were just still and waiting on God. And I'm just testifying today to tell you that God has kept us through all the ups and through all the downs, through all the ins and through all the outs. God has kept us. I'm thankful to know that God can keep me regardless of what I find myself facing. God can keep me. In our text, Paul was reminding the Philippian church of the keeping power of God, the preserving power of God. That sounds much like the message of Simon Peter when he was speaking about this incorruptible inheritance reserved in heaven that he went as far to say would not fade. In verse number five, he reminded us that we are kept by the power of God. And so here we find Simon Peter linking his arm with a great apostle Paul and they're trying to preach a message to the New Testament church to tell them that in the midst of all your mess, God can and will keep you. 
Amen. I will, don't, not, not trying to get ahead of myself, but the apostle Paul was certainly qualified to talk about the keeping power of the Lord. He had, he had been through the test. He had been tried by fire, so to speak, and God had kept him. And so if you're here today and you have been serving God with any measure of success, please, please, whatever you do, ma'am, whatever you do, sir, if you consider yourself to have any measure of success spiritually, I want you to understand it is not because you're so shrewd. It is not because you're just so sharp. And it has nothing to do with your last name. It has nothing to do with your pedigree, whether that is natural or spiritual. If you have made it from yesterday until today, if you have made it from the last decade until now, if you have made it for several decades until now, what has kept us has not been our musical talent. It has not been our ability to sing, our ability to teach or preach. What it has been is the preserving power of a keeping God. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's the preserving power of a keeping God that will hold us in his arms. I'm still standing today and serving God that has been able to preserve me by grace after all these years. And should we pass this microphone around this congregation, I'm gonna tell you there's more than a few testimonies of men and women that could stand. They're not orators. They're not preachers. They're not pastors and shepherds and teachers. They're not Sunday school teachers. Amen. But they could stand and tell you that God has kept me all of the years. And they could share not just generalizations. Woo! They could share not just generalizations of testimonies, but they could talk to us about when they were here and God just reached down and put his arm around them and preserved them, not just one day, not just one year. He didn't just preserve them for just one week, but God said, I will keep you by my word. I will keep you by my spirit. I will preserve you by my power. Woo, hallelujah. I have about a 45 minute time slot this morning, but I make no promises for this first service. <laughs> Amen, if you'll just stay with me, we'll let the spirit of God do the work here today. There is little doubt that our adversary, the devil, understands the body and the mind and the spirit that make up who we are. Certainly he knows how to attack us in these areas. He knows just when and where to whisper and just when and where to pull, just when and where to tug. Amen, he knows that if I pull over here, it'll pucker over there. He understands the body, the mind, and the spirit. And so he knows what it's all about when it comes to attacking us where we are. And we would be wise to understand that. It's important that we exercise the dominion that the Bible promises to believers so as to stop his evil plan. The Bible says in Luke 10 and 19, please follow me here. Behold, I give unto you, I give unto you, not just to the ministry, not just, into, not just to a certain few, but I give to you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Amen, I'm gonna give that to you when you get the Holy Ghost. It's not just a tongue-talking experience, although it is a tongue-talking experience. 
Spirit. But when you get the Holy Ghost, when you're water baptized in his name for the remission of your sin, it's not just a feel-good moment. He's not just doing something to make our day brighter. But he said, I'm gonna give you power. And in that, I'm gonna give you power to tread on serpents. I'm gonna give you power over the enemy and nothing by, by shall any means hurt you. I'm thankful for the power of God. The enemy of our soul will use anything that he can to detour or derail our relationship with the Lord. What a great comfort we find in knowing that God is able to keep me when the enemy is trying me, when the enemy is testing me. He is able to keep us against whatever we may face on this journey called life. Aren't you thankful that you've experienced the keeping power of God? I'm gonna tell you there have been times and my mind can just go back to seasons of our lives. My life alone perhaps and even my life, my wife and I together of how the Lord has just kept us through certain seasons. There were times I felt like Job, friend. Amen, I couldn't find God in front of me. I couldn't find God behind me. I couldn't find God on my left or on my right. But I just had the promise of his word that he said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. Hallelujah. God kept me. God kept me. God said, I'm gonna preserve you. I'm gonna keep you in my arms. I don't wanna illustrate this to cause anybody to lose any confidence in me this morning, but I've shared this with our congregation before. But I've been through trials so dark until it seemed like heaven was just closed and I didn't, wasn't able to get a prayer through. But yet I still bore the responsibility of teaching or preaching on Wednesday and teaching and preaching on Sunday. And so because of that burden and because of the call of God that was upon my life. I couldn't get away from that even though I was in the, in the battle. I couldn't get away from that even though, even though I was fighting for my very life. The enemy was trying everything he could do to discourage, to frustrate and to dissuade and derail what God was doing in my life. There have been times I was sitting in this chair as the songs were going through and the clock was counting down and I thought in 30 minutes or in just so many minutes it's gonna be my turn. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I feel enough of the anointing of God to even do this. Are you with me? But I couldn't, I, I couldn't just call in sick because you guys already showed up. You were, all, you were already here. Amen, I heard the bleeding of the sheep and I didn't know what I was gonna do. But I'm gonna tell you while I sat here, I, I'm not suggesting that I didn't do my best to prepare, but while I was sitting here feeling empty and alone and shut out, there was something about when the last song was ending and I stood up somewhere between here and there. Hallelujah. Somewhere between there and here. Hallelujah. The keeping hand of God. The keeping hand of God. He said, I'll hold you in this storm. I'll hold you in this in the waves. I'll hold you. I'll hold you though your life is being shaken. I'm not trying to tell you something that you don't know today, but I'm telling you that God will keep you. He will preserve you. He'll hold you when you don't know your next move or what you're going to do. God will keep you. I've been kept by God. I've been preserved by God. I've been held in his strong arms. I've been loved when I needed to be loved, kept by God. I've been kept by God. Oh, yes, I have. 
Oh, yes, I have. Mm. Ooh, I've been kept by God. Sometimes, sometimes we think that, 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 that Satan will only resort to trouble to frustrate our relationship with the Lord. However, the devil doesn't always use trouble. Amen. The devil doesn't always use torment. But sometimes the devil can use success. The devil can use areas of our lives that prosper to just derail what God is trying to do in our lives. That's why we gotta know the enemy. I gotta know what I'm fighting against. In the 91st Psalm, oh, what a powerful Psalm. From its very beginning till its very last scripture, what a powerful Psalm. The psalmist describes in this Psalm the state of the godly. He writes about the secret place of the Most High and he describes God as several different things. He describes God as a refuge. He describes God as a fortress. He describes God as a hiding place. And let me tell you, there's not more than a handful in this house that have found God to be all of those things. And right now, he may be that refuge for you. And this very moment, while this preacher's talking today, he may be the fortress for you. Right now, some of you may be hiding under those wings. That's all right. I found him to be all of that. He speaks of the deliverance of those who enjoy the divine protection that's been promised. However, in the midst of all of these promises, we are introduced to four unique threats that come against us. In the midst of all of the promises of of Psalms 91, David writes about four threats, four unique threats. Psalms 91, five and six, let's read this. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. Listen carefully to these four things, and I'm not gonna preach about all four of them, but listen carefully to these four things that are underlined by David. He said, the terror by night, the arrow that flieth by day, the pestilence that walketh in darkness, the destruction that wasteth at noonday. Bible and secular history seem to tell the same story, that one, often one, of the most vulnerable seasons of any life is when they are walking in the wake of victory. It's those still waters you gotta watch out for. If you've ever been down the white water rafting, you're gonna hear one thing. You're gonna hear one thing from that instructor. They're gonna talk about, they're gonna talk about rowing. Nowhere in the instructional video, nowhere in your orientation are they gonna say anything that even is akin to sit back and enjoy the ride. They're not gonna talk about, now, you know, you wanna, when you get to certain, certain bend around here, you wanna just kinda look back, uh, look up to your left there because often we have beautiful birds here that are, no, 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 you're not bird watching when you're going, to, you're trying to survive. You're just trying to get through without drowning. <laughs> And so they're saying, row, work, go, whatever you do. Whatever you do, you gotta stay with it. You gotta stay with it, amen. And so it's not, we're not, 
we're not troubled by that because we're expecting danger. We're not troubled by that because we know that if I make it, I'm gonna have to give it everything that I got. But it's those still waters. It is in the wake of successes in our life, one of the most vulnerable seasons. This victory is what David is referring to when he talks about the destruction that wasteth at noonday. Noonday, the sun has already made her way over the eastern sky. Her, 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 her strength has already been revealed little by little, little by little. She made her way through the midday, mid-morning season and now she stands at her zenith. It is noonday. It is in the height of its success. Anywhere one just one tick after that and now she is going down the other way. But he talks about this wasteth at noonday. And so whether professionally, financially or even spiritually, amen, we have to realize that it is at that peak of noonday that David said you better be careful right there. You better watch out right there. I think that's what the Old Testament, amen, reveals to us when the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt and into the promised land. They said, you need to be careful. You need to be careful. They didn't call it noonday. They just said, you better be careful when you move in houses you didn't build. And you better be careful when you start plucking grapes off vineyards that you didn't plant or reaching up and getting olives and, and the oil off the trees that you had nothing to do with. It's that noonday it is that noon day. Listen to verse number four, Psalms 91. He shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and thy buckler. We would think, we would think that the soul is safe in this season of success, but history proves otherwise. Amen. We would think that right here at this season where everything is leveled out and we got it all and life is just fanning us and feeding us grapes that we got it made. But David said, you better be careful right there. You better watch out right there because it's there that the enemy of your soul understands what's going through your mind. Once when the nation of Israel was about to buckle under the evil leadership and ruler of Midian, God heard the cries of the people and sent them a deliverer by the name of, uh, of Gideon. Amen. Despite the fact that he himself was afraid. If you know anything about the life of Gideon and you know anything about this story, I want to just rush through this for the sake of time. But Gideon was not chosen because he was a brave man. Gideon was not chosen because he was a natural born leader. Gideon was not chosen because he had desired to be a leader all of his life. Despite the fact that he himself was afraid, this young man by the name of Gideon was a chosen vessel of God. But in order to be used of God, he had to overcome some of his own weakness. He had to overcome some of his own fear and some of his own frailty. When the Lord started calling him a mighty man, he said, oh, you must be talking about somebody else. I, I mean, mighty man, I've never been. I've been called a lot of things, Lord, but mighty man. Mighty man of valor that just hasn't been in the lineup. Amen, so Gideon, once he was convinced for the sake of time, I'm rushing here. But Gideon was assembling an army that he thought would be sufficient enough to deliver Israel. And so he had gathered together some 32,000 men, 32,000 men. <clears throat> and so then he said, the Lord spoke to him and said, now I want you to go through the camp. 
and find out if any man's afraid. And if any man's afraid, I want you to, I want you to send them home. And so would you believe that 22,000 men in that army raised their hand and they admitted to being afraid? Well, that'd shake your faith. <laughs> Gideon was already kind of afraid himself and now he's hanging around with all these scaredy cats. You know, birds of a feather flock together, I suppose. And so he's standing there with 10,000. What do I do? Where do I go from here? And now the Lord booms from heaven and said, 10,000, that's still too many. And we just keep reading. And, and finally, they get it all the way down to 300. Think what you want to. Amen. <laughs> You think what you want to, but I believe you could hear Gideon's heart beating a block away. Not sure how this is all gonna work out. Not sure how this is all gonna work out. Amen, but hear me, finally, after these 300 men, they were gathered together, but there was a divine intervention, hear me, because he was gonna be kept by God. A divine intervention. And the Midianites turned on one another. Their enemy turned on one another and they began slaying one another. That's what the scripture said. And they destroyed their own army. Are you ready for this? Midian was taken down without even one of the 300 of Gideon's men being killed or even harmed. Israel was delivered. They were saved supernaturally. Oh, Gideon, Gideon, this man that was hiding a few days ago, this man that was denying the call of God on his life a few days ago, this man who was disillusioned when 22,000 walked away and then when 9,700 more were thinned out of the crowd this man who was saying I don't know about all this I don't know about all this now he is in the wake of this wonderful wonderful victory when tragedy struck a man who was nobody this courageous young captain who no one knew just a few days ago, is now the talk of the town. This once frightened man's destiny had now merged with the eternal purpose of God. Fortune had smiled on Gideon when the people wanted Gideon to become their leader. He had enough good sense to realize that's not my job. I'm, I, I don't need to be your leader. I, I, and my children, my sons don't even need to be your leader he, somehow Gideon was this on again, off again guy, but he had presence of mind enough to know that he, he should not ascend to the throne. This all sounds wonderful. This all sounds great if we could just hit the pause button right here and freeze the frame and stop the story. But there was just one thing. Are you sure, Gideon, there's not something that you want? Are you sure everything's all right? And Gideon said, you know, there's just one thing I want. One thing I want, and I want all the earrings. I want all the earrings off of those Midianites. I want all of that gold. I want that. Amen. The enemy that he had defeated was loaded with silver and gold. And so Gideon's request seems innocent. It just seems honorable. It seems like that's the least we could do. Amen. And so he, gave, he said, give me the ear, every man the earrings of his prey. It was the trophies of his triumph. And that all sounds innocent until you read Judges 8 and 27. And it was here that the Bible says that Gideon, it was not that he got the gold. It was not that he got the earrings, but it was what he did with it. It was what got in his heart after they got in his possession. It was what got in his mind after the trophy got on the mantle. 
when he started looking at the trophies, Gideon said, I know what I can do. I know what I can make. And the Bible says Gideon took those earrings and with those earrings he made an ephod thereof and he put it in his city even to Ophrah. And all Israel went thither a whoring after it, which thing became a snare unto Gideon and to his house. Now there is some conjecture concerning this particular passage of scripture in regard to the reason why Gideon wanted to make an ephod. The ephod was something that was worn only by the high priest. There was only one man that had the right to put on an ephod or even own an ephod. And so we don't know what got into the mind of Gideon, perhaps because of his great victory. Gideon thought that it was his right that he would have, he would have the, such close proximity to being able to inquire of God on his own. Maybe his, his relationship with the tribe of Ephraim had made made it inconvenient to go to Shiloh and consult with a high priest. And so I'll just bring this presence here. I'll just bring it here so it's more convenient for me. Amen. So I'm going to have my own ephod and I'm going to set it up in my own city. Are you hearing me now? Amen. I'm talking about a man right in the middle of victory. A man right in the wake of success and all of a sudden there's something in his heart. There's something starts being born in his spirit. Whether he sent for the high priest to come to offer or whether he made use of the ministry of some other priest we're no way of knowing that. History is unclear and the Bible certainly is not specific. However there's one thing that we do know, that it has always been in the heart of men to run after idol worship. Amen. Men have always, mankind has always been prone to idolatry. Am I right? I mean, Moses is on the mountain and they know why he's on the mountain. They know he's not just on a few days vacation. They know that he's not on a sabbatical somewhere, but I'm going to the mountain. I'm going to get some direction from God. And while he was on the mountain getting direction from God, it got in the heart of the people idolatry, the spirit of idolatry. And so they made a calf. Are you with me? Amen. And so here they get in trouble because it's always been in the heart of man to stray in that area. Therefore, they made an idol of the ephod and apparently they made an idol of Gideon as well and tragi- tragically, amen, it, it's found, it's, that tragedy is found in the wake of this great victory in his life. He made a religious image with the spoils of the battle, amen, that God had supernaturally won. Amen, let me say that again. Gideon said, I'm gonna make an idol to the image, amen, I'm gonna make an idol, I'm gonna make an image here and all of a sudden that is going to be where our attention is focused and he forgot that it was God. He forgot that it was God that brought him where he was. He forgot about hiding behind the wine press. He forgot about questioning his own ability. He forgot about 32,000. He forgot about 22,000. He forgot about 10,000. He forgot about 300. He forgot about that he said don't even take a sword with you to the battle. Don't even take a spear with you to the battle. But take lanterns. Amen. Take things of praise and things of light and God spared them. 
hallelujah. I'm telling you today that if we're not careful, we can step outside of the realm and the will of God. Ephraim, it don't have to end this way, sir. You don't have to run aground just because you've tasted a little victory. Can I reach out and preach to somebody today? Amen, God doesn't have to break your back. He doesn't have to break my back. He doesn't have to break one leg in order for me to serve him. But I believe God can touch us and honor us. I believe God can touch our church and we can still say holy. I believe God can touch our church and we can still stay anointed. I believe God can grow our church and we can still say apostolic. Hear me today. We don't have to lose out in the wake of victory. We don't have to lose in the wake of victory. Oh, <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah. God can keep us. God can keep us. God can keep us. How soon we can forget where God has brought us in the good times. Hallelujah. We gotta keep a careful eye on those victories of noonday. I wanna be kept even when I'm rejoicing in the good seasons of my life. Amen, I still wanna pray even if I'm not hungry. Amen, I still wanna pray even if I know what tomorrow holds or today holds, if I somewhat know that, I still want a relationship with God. Amen, I still want to know him. I still want to know him in the power of his resurrection. He said, I would that you would prosper and be in good health. Is that not what the scripture says? But that's not all it says. I would that you would prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. Amen, so when you are on your way up that corporate ladder, let me be your pastor this morning. On your way up that corporate ladder, take Jesus with you. Amen. On your way, climb into success. On your way, climb into success. Don't forget God. Don't forget God. Get all the education you can get. Become all you can be. But take God with you. Be like Moses and say, Lord, I'll go. But I'm not going to go if you don't go with me. Hallelujah. Woo, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. However, we must also guard ourselves against the enemy's attack during times of discouragement. Because whether anybody amens right now or no, we've all wanted to throw in the towel. We've all just wanted to give up. That's right. Thank you for your honesty. Amen. Somebody else needed to hear that today because somebody sitting over here thinks all you over here had never had a rainy day and vice versa. (laughs) We've all just wanted to throw in the towel You know, preachers cut up among themselves just like plumbers cut up among themselves and electricians cut up among themselves and seamstresses cut up among themselves. And so, so sometimes I've, I've, I've told people in, in jest, you hear me now, I'm just kidding. I said, because I've had to deal with a lot of preachers through the years, not just myself, and we're discouraged. I said, it's a good thing you all don't rent on Sunday night. 
<laughs> the interstate would be full. Where are you going? I don't know. I'm just leaving. I'm out of here. <laughs> well, that was a little bit too honest for some of you. <laughs> what? Say, so why would you leave when all you got to do is eat fried chicken all day? <laughs> I know what you're thinking. <laughs> There's a little devilish spirit come out of me right there. I'm <laughs> I didn't even see that coming. Back to my notes. This is the safety zone right here. This is the safety zone. So we got to guard ourselves against the attack of discouragement. At a first glance, when you're reading through the book of First and Second Chronicles, because the book of First and Second Chronicles most literally is just historical, and it's just uh, just history. And so, if you're really not into history, that can be a, a little yawn fest. But it, it can seem like just real dull accounts of numerous generations of Jews, and this one begat that one, and this one did that. And after a while, your eyes are crossed, and you've fallen asleep a half dozen times, <laughs> right? <laughs> This is Honesty Sunday, Honesty Sunday. <laughs> Nine out of the ten names you can't even pronounce, you just mumble through them. And... However, tucked amid some of these timeless truths, don't read so fast that you miss some things. You'll find an incredible story about a man named Ephraim. Ephraim and his family were living in a land that God had promised to their forefather Abraham. When suddenly, and there's not a lot of detail about any of this, but when suddenly the Bible says that the men of Gath swept down upon them and killed his sons. That would be a tragic day in any family's life. Ephraim's minding his own business. Men of Gath come in, and from what I've been able to find, I, there, there was some battle over, uh, in, in, uh, quarrel over cattle. And nevertheless, at the end of the day, Ephraim lost every son, every son. So Ephraim is empty. Without a doubt, it, it, this is a season of suffering and sorrow. It's a day of, of indescribable heartache. His confidence is shattered. His hope is all but gone. I can't even put myself in his shoes. I can't even imagine what it would be like to lose seven children, seven sons in one moment, one day. So he retreats back to his home and apparently into the arms of his wife. And I'm not trying to sound crass, but... Against the backdrop of this horrific loss, the Bible teaches us that his wife conceived and gave birth to a son in this season of sorrow. Now, they were so caught up in their grief. I mean, there's seven tombstones in their backyard. It's a little hard to rejoice over a crying baby in the back room when I, I, I'm trying to get happy about this, but I, I just can't quite get over the joy of this because uh, over there I see seven tombstones. And so in the midst of all that, they name him Bariah, 
which means son of sorrow and trouble. They were in so much grief and so hurt. They said, this is our son of sorrow. This is our son of trouble. This is the son that came to our lives at one of the lowest ebbs that you can possibly think. If our ushers need to bring the Sunday school in, just do what you need to do. But against that backdrop, here is this birth in the home, a crying infant in the house. However, in the midst again of all of these chronicles, in the midst of all this history, there's a beautiful story that comes to light some 30 verses later. In the midst of this long list of names, you know, we get back into all these names, truth comes full circle. Stay with me now. Without explanation, just as vague as the men sweeping down and slaying all his seven sons, without explanation and quite simply, the Bible just says this in 1 Chronicles 8 and 13. Bariah also, the Bible says, Bariah also, go down to the bottom part of that scripture says, who drove away the inhabitants of Gath. This son that was born in a season of struggle and in a day of great distress, it was he that rose and drove out the very enemy that had brought so much despair on his family to begin with. What I'm trying to reach out tonight, today and tell you is this, is that often those things that are born to us in seasons of sorrow was only an instrument by which God was gonna choose to deliver us later. <laughs> Amen, You're, there, there are some here today, I know what I'm talking about. There are some here today and not just a few. Amen, there are some here today that your heart is blanketed by sorrow and you're wondering how am I gonna live beyond this day? How is life ever gonna be the same again? Some are dealing with terminal illnesses in this house today. Some are dealing with uncertain futures in this house today. Some are wrestling with doctor's reports. Some are wrestling with job and, and job security but you're wondering how am I going to get beyond this day I'm telling you I'm preaching to you today that God can keep us he can keep us in victory and he can keep us in the storm hallelujah Ephraim I said I don't know what's going on in my life Ephraim said I can't even imagine I can't even imagine how much sorrow but God said I'm going to let something be born in this season of sorrow what you don't understand you're holding him in your arms today you can't get over those seven tombstones but what's in your arms today is going to be the very thing to deliver you just keep living just keep reaching just keep moving God is going to keep us God is going to preserve us. Mm, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can I have a few more minutes now? Amen. I don't want to break this up. I don't want to break this up. Oftentimes, when we're standing in the middle of our mess, we can't figure out why we are here. Or we ask ourselves, how did I get here? How did I wind up here? Amen, what am I doing here? Please don't think this illustration too odd, but what I have often noticed about God is how he works. I've often looked at God's guidance through life, and I've often said this to you both privately and publicly. I've said that, it, it, that we are just pawns 
on the chessboard of life. Amen. One thing I understand about chess is this. Amen. That wherever you are on the board currently, wherever you are right now is not an indicator of where you intend to be. Amen. Wherever you are right now is just a means to get you to the next place. I feel like I gotta reach out and talk to somebody today. Let the Spirit of God touch you that wherever you are right now, here is not about here, but here is about there. Amen. Here is not just about here. I'm not gonna die on this hill. I'm not gonna die on this hill, but God has me here because he's trying to get me here. And when I get here, God has me here because he's trying to move me there. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm talking about being kept by God, preserved by God, preserved by God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. We, ladies and gentlemen, are on a journey. I cannot be distracted by the success of noonday, but nor can I afford to be distracted by the plight of midnight. I gotta know that God, Sister Barbara Welch, can keep me. He can hold me. He can preserve me. He'll wrap his arms around me. Amen. What we need to take away from this is one simple truth. Difficult circumstances can become the cradle of life's greatest deliverances. I'm gonna tell you, and I just wanna challenge your thought process. I look back on some difficult circumstances in my life, and I have to be honest and say, I would not have this if it hadn't been for this. Oh, this wounded me. Oh, this cut my heart out. Oh, this just about... This just about destroyed me. This almost done me in. But I wouldn't have this if I didn't have that. I wouldn't be here if I hadn't been there. Hallelujah. There's no way, there's no way, there's no way. One season of Samson's life found him, found him fighting against the lion that had jumped out to destroy him. However, there came another time, another time walking down the same road that he came across, came across the carcass of that lion that he had defeated, amen, earlier. And then in the carcass of that lion was the honey and the honeycomb. And had it not been for the battle of yesterday, there would not be sustenance for today. Are you hearing me this morning? You may be in the trenches. There may be blood trickling out your right eye. Amen. You may say, I don't know if I can go another day. I get it. I don't know if I can make it another minute. I understand. But I say, God is going to keep you. God is going to preserve you. He'll hold you. He'll hold you. He'll hold you. We ask ourselves, how, how could any good come out of this? Oh, I'm telling you, I'm telling you more than one time, more than one time I've cried that out to God. How could any good come out of this? I'm in the path, I'm wrestling the line. You think what you wanna think. But I believe when the wrestling match is all over, I, I think it's entirely possible Samson was scratched in a few places. <laughs> I don't think he just snapped wiped his hands off. I think he come out of that hassling like a racehorse. Amen. Thinking, man, why? Where'd that come from? 
I was just on my way. I was just minding my own business. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, boom. Standing there, wiping the blood and dressing the wounds. But God said, I've got something in in mind for this. Amen. The Bible is filled with graphic tales of triumph. Musicians, come, if you will. That'll help. Amen. It's filled with graphic tales. Joseph was cast into a pit, sold into slavery, lied, suffered in prison. But God had him on a journey. (laughs) I've got you on a journey. Just stay with me now. Just stay with me now, Joseph. Stay with me now. Daniel was betrayed by his fellows, brought before a heathen king, sentenced to die, but he was supernaturally spared. He would have never had this if he didn't have this. Paul, the the apostle to the Gentiles, wrote powerfully regarding the problems and the perils that plagued his life. 2 Corinthians, for the sake of time, I will not read it, but 23 through 27 gives a detailed list of things that Paul encountered along the way, and that's just what we know. So obviously the apostle's life was visited by trouble. However, when you study the life of Paul, you are aware that he did not allow what he was going through at the time to define his future. And so for the two most famous words in all of Christendom, church living, in closing, Isaiah 40, the Bible says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Okay, well, thank you for that scripture, but how does that apply to today? How does that help me here and now? The origin of the word wait has the suggestion of something weak being wrapped around something that is strong. And so, a likely example of that would be this. I go all out on my illustrations. There's no such thing as spending too much money. (laughs) The illustration here is that something weak is woven through something strong. And so this morning, I just took a piece of nylon thread and I wove it through the links of this chain. And so now the string has nothing to worry about. The string has nothing, because now it's not about the string. A few hours ago, while this string was just rolled up on the roll, it had a lot of threats. I pulled out a little utility knife and cut this to length this morning and So I threatened it with a utility knife, but the chain just laid there grinning at me. The chain said, bring it on. The chain said, I don't think so. You're going to need way more than that, young man. How'd you like that young man statement? (laughs) So so if you're going to break this, you're going to first have to get to this. So it's not about this. 
It's not about my weaknesses. It's not about my frailties. I've got a long list of problems. I got, I got, I got, I got a long list. I didn't see that coming. I got a long list of problems. And I know some of you are eminently aware of them. You probably have a few items on your list I don't even know about. But I'm gonna tell you, when I'm in the presence of the Lord, it's not about this. Amen, when I'm trying to get through the storm, it's not about what this can handle. It's not about what this can do. This will stretch. This will pull. And after a while, this will break. But it's not about this. It's about this. Amen, I'm talking about being kept by God. I'm talking about what God can do. What God can do. I'm in the storm. I'm being pulled. I'm being tested. I'm being tried. I'm being, uh, my faith is being put to the test. It's not about me at this point. It's about him. Why don't we stand all across this building? It's not about me now. It's about him. It's about him. He will keep me. Amen. He will keep me. And I'm gonna go all the way back to my illustration that when I come out, when I've been preserved right, when I've been preserved right, I mean, don't we all say this when you, when you cook something that's been preserved? You say it tastes just like it came out of the garden. <laughs> we just grin. Job well done tastes just like it did. And with the day we put up, tastes garden fresh. And so when we come out on the other side, because God will keep us. That's why he's coming after a triumphant church. And that's why the church will be triumphant. My God, I love him. Y'all get ready. Amen. I love him. I'm glad I know him in the power of his might. Why don't we raise our hands across this auditorium? Amen. I love you today. My God, I love you today. I love you today. I love you today. I love you today. Thank you for your strength. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah, 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 yes. Hallelujah. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.